Good afternoon and welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange Leadership Tools and Strategies. So thrilled to have you in here in mid-March. Glad that you were able to join us as we talk today about going social with Kiki Latalian. We're thrilled to have you in as always. Want to remind you about a couple things before we really get ramped up today. First, as always, want to remind you about the opportunities to join us throughout the week. We have great opportunities Thursday night, every Thursday. We have our Twitter chat, hashtag nonprofit chat. You can join us Thursday at 9 p.m. Want to remind you as well about our magazine. We launched in the beginning of March our issue on millennials in the nonprofit world. It's a big and an important issue. Certainly want to invite you to be able to access the free copy of Nonprofit Performance Magazine. You can get that at centervisionleadership.org slash magazine. As always, I also want to remind you to come join the community. It's a great place. It's a community for community builders, and you can find that information at centervisionleadership.org slash register. Go on there. Play around. Tell us what you think. We, we'd love to have you there to be able to engage the conversation and think about how we as nonprofit leaders bring impact to our community. As always, I am Todd Greer. I am your host, Executive Director of Center Vision Leadership Foundation. I am thrilled to have a new friend in with me today. Kiki Latalian uh, was somebody that I had been introduced to through others. Kiki is the president, the founder of Amplified Growth. She is a speaker. She is a mentor. She is many different things, including the host of Association Chat. And so we're thrilled to have you in, Kiki. Thank you for joining us. Tell the people, who the heck are you? <laughs> well, you know, you, you got it right the first time. You know, I am the president of Amplified Growth, so I'm out there working with associations, doing social media consulting. I am the host of Association Chat. It's been five years running. But what I really am is, and this is an unofficial title, but I think it should be made official. Right. I am, I'm an association cheerleader. I am absolutely rah-rah crazy for associations, and I love working with associations. I love association people, and, um, and I've been in the association world for a while now, so... So yeah, so I'm I'm the person over on the sideline that's sort of cheering everybody on, you know, waiting to see where the industry will go. That's awesome. One of the things I learned very early on in my days during college, I was working in a chamber of commerce, and our executive director at the time told me, Todd, titles are free, so give liberally. So <laughs> today we're going to title you the association cheerleader. Congratulations. I thank you. I should put on my lower third. Thank you. I think you have that right now and that privilege just because you didn't even have to name yourself. Somebody else granted you that role and responsibility. <laughs> yes. So you talked about associations and you talked about social media and I know much of your, your work in this space has been centered around those two things and I guess my great question is why? Why associations and why social media and really the space in which those two engage? What what led you to it and, and what are you doing there? Um, well, you know, I started out like a lot of people not really knowing that, that what an association was. 
found myself working in my first association job and became educated pretty quickly on um, how different it is from other types of things that you, other types of industries that you work in. And fell in love with it, um, became very involved with ASAE, mm -hmm. one thing, um, reading all of the publications, consuming associations now, and, um, and worked for associations for quite a while in membership and uh, specifically working with chapters and social media came along and was the perfect vehicle it offered the perfect opportunity for me to marry the ability to build relationships with um, with organizations and and groups of people in an organization and building a community online and I fell in love with social media as well, and that sort of the two married together. And ever since, I've been focused in social media uh, for associations, and that's kind of the that's a long way to get there, but that's the story. Sure, and and I know you've talked about not just quote doing the social media, but you've got a bigger picture for it, and I want people to understand even the deep context because you're. You're a social media strategist. You're somebody who's engaging it on a personal level. You're blogging at Acronym Soup, okay? Yes. So you're, you're doing a lot of the things that, that take up this sphere. But one of the things I've heard you say that I thought was really interesting, and I'd love to have you flesh it out a little bit for us. You've talked about these questions about the future of associations. Mm. Could, could you talk a little bit about that and, and, and maybe even... Uh, pull your crystal ball out even, and if you would, project maybe what you see as future or questions regarding it. Well, you know, what's interesting is that this this is a wild time to be part of the association community, and technology is just part of it. I mean, we have cultural shifts that are happening. Um, you know, we have, or there's the generational changes that are happening, yes, but we also have changes to our economy. We have the sharing economy now that's come along and it's shifting the way that people are expecting to interact with with everyone, with, with organizations, with businesses, and yes, that includes associations. So, um, you know, if I had to pull out my crystal ball, I would say that looking at crowdsourcing and the sharing economy, how are associations using these things or looking at them to change the way that they look at things like their their membership models? You know, I um, I talked to an organization recently, and uh, they were talking about changing their membership model, and it was a big deal for them. You know, they um, they had gone through a lot of painstaking work to get to the point where they had these beautiful diagrams that they could they could share with me. They had these perfect, this perfect vision that they could share with, these are our different audiences, these are who we view to be our customers. And it really goes from just the person that's visiting the page that hasn't even bought a book yet, to a full-fledged member who's, who is a part of us paying us membership dues. And, um, but they didn't have that membership onboarding piece figured out. They didn't have those connection points, and you know my focus, whether you, whether it's in social media, whether it's in membership, no matter what I'm hired to do, 
I always look at the relationship building piece of it, that component. And how are you building a relationship? Because choosing to buy something or choosing to become a member is, yes, it can be a very logical decision, but it's also an emotional one. Mm -hmm. And that, that may sound a little woo-woo for people, you know, for executives out there, but it's true. Um, there's an emotional quality to it, and people make decisions based on that. How are you playing into their emotions or using their emotions to create greater demand? Um, where are those connection points in each step of your membership and each level of your membership. How are you, those people that are visiting your site, you know, how are you bringing them further into your membership? If I had to use my crystal ball, I would say you should be asking the questions. If somebody, if somebody in my organization wants to trade memberships with somebody in a similar organization, will we allow that? Could we allow that? Should we allow that? Is there a barter system for that? You know, what what are the options there? Because people expect they can share anything these days. They can share dogs. They can share clothes, rides, cars, and can they share memberships? Can they rent memberships? I don't know. These are questions that I think people should ask. Well, Kiki, you, you certainly have. Uh thrown the open the gauntlet and just kind of raise that for us. And I, I, I love when we can start that early in a conversation and get some deep, heady stuff. Um, so now I'm going to flip the script on you and I'm going to look at where we currently are. Um, some of what you were talking about was building that sense of the right customer experience. Um, we, we can call them members, we can call them clients, we can call them you know, providers or re, you know, whatever we want to call them, but we're really talking about a customer, as Peter Drucker would say. Um, so how do we go about building the right experience for them in an offline fashion and then in an online fashion? And, and how do you see those two being separate as well as connected? <laughs> this is a really good question because, you know, if I have to separate the offline from the online, it becomes, it becomes you know... It, I hardly segment them in my mind, you know, it, it all becomes part of one big, you know, the big organization. But but when I look at relationships, I think that, um, memberships, I think being a customer, I think of relationships. I think of how are you building those. And just like we were talking about where is the onboarding, I, I am saying in, you know, offline, are you creating real experiences with your organization. You know, we talk, people are able to purchase experiences as gifts now. Um, what is the experience that your organization is offering? For a meeting, for example, you know, how are those experiences translating into your retention rates or bringing on new members even? Um, when I look at you know, online, working with online customers um, or online members, um, I think, okay, how are you building relationships there? How are you building those experiences there? Because, you know, I think um, I've been reading, okay, 
So I have to I have to share a couple of books that I've been yes, reading. Yes, please. Okay? Oh. I see you have a lot of books behind you. I love. I said. Mind. I live because these books breathe into me. How about that? <laughs> They it's from osmosis. You don't actually read them. You just well, I mean, I, I do do that as well. But they, they're my inspiration. I say I, I these are the people that sit behind me that inform and drive me. So please wow. share with me. Let me share with you. Okay, great. So there's this really great book by Nick Bilton that I'm reading. That's called I Live in the Future, and here's how it works. So this is the book. Wow. Um, What's fabulous about this book that informs me that I've been really into lately is um, he talks a lot about, about relationship building, about those experiences. And he says that in the future, you know, when we look at social media, it's not like a separate thing. And we're seeing that more and more. It's more baked in. And people are expecting to have those relationships online available to them. For associations, that should mean great things. That should mean that you know, social media is helping them to do what they do best even better. So associations, to me, have no excuse. Um, associations, to me, uh, they, they need to up their game and really embrace the technology that's available to them so that online what they're offering to members is you know individualized care they're offering an individualized relationship you know um, another great book that feeds into what I was just saying is this when millennials take over I know you hey. talked to yeah I know you talked to, to Jamie and Maddie recently fabulous book and yeah. um, you know Looking at the generations that are coming in, we have uh, people in their low, you know, lower 30s that are they have houses, they have jobs, they're in the workplace, and the millennials are expecting a different kind of experience, both in being an employee of an association, a staff member, and also being a member of an association. And so um, they're not used to things that they have to necessarily go out and get. They're used to things being baked in so and being brought to them. And I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing because when we go to Amazon, we have catered, catered uh, descriptions and products that are offered to us on the side. Mm -hmm. And truly, almost any website that we go to is like that these days. Why isn't our membership like that? This is really interesting. There are two things that you, you hit on here that I, I want to uh, flesh out a little bit more, if you don't mind, uh, because I want to think you're talking very targeted towards associations, and I know that's where a lot of your experience is, but what I think is really awesome about this is you could remove the word association, and you could put in uh, educational institution, you could put in you know general nonprofit, charity, religious organization, you could put a lot of different uh, names in there, and you pointed out the sense of we're, we're selling or we're curating an experience, and then you also pointed to this idea of individualized care, and what came into my mind is the hospitals that are doing it right mm -hmm. are providing individualized care. It's not, it's not, you know, you don't feel like a cattle being run through the, uh, the old... Uh, you know, rounds of, of things, but you feel like you're a person and somebody actually has a care for you. 
would you would you play with those two a little bit more? I know I'm just kind of teasing some things out, but I, I really <laughs> love those two concepts. Well, I mean, okay, let's let's actually let's break out the crystal ball again, and let's yeah. not talk about necessarily you know what we have right in front of us right now, but let's talk about some facts, okay? Facts leading into the future. Facts. Wearables. We have people that are collecting their health. You talked about health organizations. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Uh, Nike Fuel Band, um, Jawbone, whatever you choose. Mm -hmm. And they're collecting more and more and more detailed information all the time. If I look at my phone, every time I have a workout, every time I complete a workout right now, it asks me if I want to save it to my health app on my phone, right? And what are we doing with that information? Are we interacting with our healthcare providers? Are we sharing that? Are we sharing that to an organization that collects that kind of information and maybe can spit back to us what kind of what kind of products we might best use because of our fitness level or our particular health uh, profile? Well, not right now. Not necessarily, but will we in the future? Oh, why wouldn't it be synced? Why wouldn't it be? Why wouldn't it be shared just the way as when we visit a website? That kind of information pops up on the on the screen with the next site that we visit with an ad saying you liked this, you might also like that. Um, with wearables, how is that going to interact with associations in the future or? Uh, health care, you know, hospitals, or I mean, going to visit your doctor, anything, anything you can imagine, with the sharing economy, like I was talking about before, it's happening right now. But do you think that's going to go anywhere in the future? The government and the, I mean, the laws haven't caught up with it. Taxes haven't caught up with it yet. They don't know what yeah. to do with it. But what we know is that it's. It's changing the way the ex expectations people have of being able to access things, of being able to, to own things. Ownership is taking on a completely different meaning at this point. So, I mean, I, I, I think that the, I see the future. I live in the future, and the future is now. No, this is what I think. Um, I think that associations are absolutely necessary. I think that religious organizations, they're not going to go anywhere. People can, people can congregate online. They yeah. still want to meet in person. They, there's still a need to get that information from someone who's curating that information for them. You know? But the way they engage, the way they interact, they are going to expect to have something that's very, very highly personalized for their experience. And they're going to expect to be able to have these relationships with those organizations that are beyond just um, automatic memberships or you know a following where nothing happens but an automated email. They they expect there to be something more there. That's that's really interesting, and I, I think that sets us up to to segue slightly. Uh, I, I love this thinking, and, and certainly this is be, going to become an offline uh, thought process for me, but digging back into the social media realm, I, I think you're, you're hitting on, and you have hit on in the past, uh, one of the struggles that we have. We, we tend to think of 
I shouldn't say we tend to. Some people think of social media as, as one-way communication. I am throwing out my message against the wall with the hope that somebody is picked that up and they're going to buy my product, they're going to join my association, they're going to come to my conference, whatever that is. How do we have to reshape that thinking, Kiki? I think that we need to look at it as, um, and I feel like, you know, I feel like everyone's heard this a million times, but maybe not, you know, it can't be a simple promotional tool. It, you know, and I do say a lot of times, you're right, um, that social media has to move beyond simple posting to Twitter or Facebook. It has to go into enabling, um, to creating socially enabled organizations. And that simply means that they're more, there's more digital thinking that's going on in associations so that there's an understanding that it's, it's not shouting out the spray and pray, you know, I'm just going to shoot my message out and everyone's going to hear it and that's all that matters. There has to be that listening element. And way back when, when social media um, leaders, social media consultants, and people who were talking about social media a lot, thought leaders, um, way back in the beginning, the big message was listen. Listen first. Listen, why? Because you're going to learn a lot. You're going to get a lot of data, but also so you can respond, you know, and, and that is part of relationship building. Wow. And I think that's such a, a strong piece of advice that uh, we need to come back to. We, we need to hear those kinds of things, you know, more and more uh, just because we do. We do tend to look at it. And I, I think a lot of times it became that the guerrilla marketing, which I think is, you know, for, for bootstrapped organizations, it is a useful tool, but at the same time it's a it's a multi-directional tool. It's something that is an engagement and relationship and conversation rather than me preaching or yelling. I love the spray and pray. Uh, <laughs> you know, that, that's a visual I think we can all get right there. One of the things that comes to this, and, and I appreciate you bringing out Jamie and Maddie's book, because they talk about the, this new world uh, as being fluid and fast. Okay, they really point to those two concepts, and, and we see that. And a lot of times, nonprofits are well; they're understaffed, and they're underserved, and and sometimes they're built on an old schema. How how do they keep up with that that pace of change? How how do they work to do that and use the the tools that are before us? How 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 do we play with that? You know what my best advice is to um, people when they ask me that kind of a question? Um, I mean, it's what you're asking me right now. Um, my best advice is to um, basically create an influencer's uh, list. And what this means, it's, it's, it's kind of, there are two things to it. Okay, so you want your influencer's list. And you also want the people who are not necessarily influencers, but are brand advocates for you. Okay, your super influencers, your super brand advocates, are the ones who who are influencers who have a large following online. Who, when they speak, it's like E. F. Hutton. When when E. F. Hutton speaks, everyone listens. 
Um, when they speak, people listen, they share, they retweet their information, they repost it. Um, you collect who are your influencers. Those are the people you really need to zero in on. Mm. On top of that, the people who are retweeting your messages all the time and are constantly, they're, they're your biggest advocates. Those are your brand advocates. They may not have a large following, but they have passion. And you can, you can use that passion. If you have limited time, instead of doing the, having the approach where, you know, when I say listen, you're listening to everything, you're responding to everything, you're, you're, um, you're overwhelmed. Zero in, really focus on the ones who already really love your brand, love your organization. And you know who they are. Everybody, everyone has them. You know they're the ones who would volunteer for you, who would do things over and over, who go out of their way to go ahead and share your message. They're the ones that you need to, to track and really keep. I mean, it sounds a little crazy to like keep a list, but keep a list and um, and follow them. And you know when you're reaching out and you have promotional things that you're sharing, bring them into the fold. Include them. Not just don't don't just throw things at them and promote at them like everyone else, but but use them to spread your message, and that will have a more human sort of approach to it that I think people will appreciate beyond um, having a more automated approach. You know, that's so funny because it's such a simple concept that we've been doing offline for generations. You know, we, we we've had most associations have some kind of ambassador or whatever level. Maybe it's former board members who they still want to keep involved and we do those kinds of things. But I think we fail to translate that into the social media realm because we're, again, and I, and I love the fact that you pointed this out. You, you said early on I asked you the online, offline thing and you're like, I don't even think of that way anymore. It's, you know, it's all one. And I think that's part of the piece that we have to move to is thinking about a cohesive experience, not an online and an offline. Right. Gosh. <laughs> this, is, this is good. I, I'm taking notes here, so if my highs go down, uh, I'm paying attention and writing my notes out here. These are great. Um, let me ask you this, because I think there's the, one of the flip side pieces of this, or, or it's really, I guess, an engaged piece to this. How do we as associations, how do we as nonprofit organizations how do we as social benefit groups, how do we give our members space to using the common vernacular, how do we allow them to hack their experience? Mm, that's a really good question. You know, I've got to think about that. Um, you know, I think that it's, it's all about it's all about having having options available to you so that the experience can be what you make it. And I think that it seems like a lot of hard work at the beginning of it. When we're when we're looking at providing those options, it's like why? You know, why would we why would we do that? Because I can only pinpoint, you know, one offering or one way that we can communicate or one way that they can interact with our organization. Um, but I think having options for them so that they have different areas where they can communicate, where they can, um, you know, build value. 
that's a hard that's a that's a question I want to think about a little bit more. It's okay. it's, it's funny because I you were talking about something and it triggered in my mind. You know, I, I grew up in the '80s with choose your own adventure books, mm -hmm. and 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 that was the quintessential process of hacking a book. I mean, right. you've got to choose the pathway forward. And I hadn't even thought about it in those terms before, but I, I think you're you're digging into something here when we start asking, how do we allow members to hack their own experience to to, yeah. to cultivate? Well, I mean, you think about you think about um, the membership life cycle. Everyone has the membership or the customer life cycle. You know, when does the member when does the member come in? Uh, to our organization and how do they grow and when do they jump out, when are they at danger of jumping out and what kind of experiences do they have along the way. There's this process called journey mapping now that I don't know if you've gotten into that but it's it's mapping out the journey of, of someone who's either going through a conference or you can apply it to a membership, you can apply it to someone who's a customer and mapping out their journey and really all of that is to say I think looking at like a choose your own adventure where are those options along the way where they can engage in different ways than maybe what we've had available to them before. Mm. I think that's significant because I think if if we don't give them options to opt in in new and various ways then they're going to choose to opt out. Right. Right. I mean, what we learned from um, Decision to Volunteer, which was a study ASAE put out, um, you know, what we learned from Decision to Volunteer is, is truly that when you look at the data, if someone's more engaged, if they're volunteering, if they have some kind of engagement with an organization, they're more likely to stay a member for, for longer than if they don't. Mm -hmm. So how are they engaging? That's the key thing. You know, um, hacking your volunteer model, looking at what your program is for volunteers, for people who are, you know, can they volunteer for um, a regular, you know, board position or committee position, or are there ad hoc opportunities for them to volunteer? You know, can they volunteer for an hour to help your organization do something? You know, having I think having options available is is extremely important. That's great, uh, and and I guess that leads me into an area that we've been thinking and talking about lately, which is the millennials. Uh, we're talking a lot about generations, and I wonder if you. If you have thoughts here about how organizations, associations can do a better job sharing across the generational, I don't want to call them divides, but I, I think that there is some sense of gap in, in between some of these generations. Is there anything that you've seen there, Kiki? Yeah, you know, actually, yes. I think that, you know, you brought up mentoring, and I think that from what I've seen, um, organizations that have some kind of mentoring program is, you know, can be something that um, benefits the millennials and benefits actually people of all the generations that are involved to sort of help, uh, you know, the workplace out, help help the staff out as they're figuring out, okay, you know, what, how am I going to move through this organization or mentorship as a, a member how am I going to work through my membership? 
And, you know, I look at this as like what I do with Association Chat. Association Chat's been around for five years. And um, in that time, the, the names have changed, the faces have changed, but the conversation has stayed kind of the same. I mean, topics may change a little bit as time goes by, but there are some evergreen issues that come up. And one thing that consistently comes up, you know, are I'll find people that are seeking advice for their careers. And this has led to a mentorship kind of position for me where I've met with people older and younger who are looking for advice. And I think that wherever you are in an organization, identifying that ability to have a mentorship program baked in, um, I, I think you should have one, you know, is what I'm trying to say. I think, I think organizations should have a mentorship program. Well, and, and I think that's so important in the sense that it even goes back to you talked about the onboarding process early on in our conversation here. If you're uh, new, if you're coming into this, if you're a millennial or if you're a boomer, I mean, wherever in between, if you could have somebody to come alongside you and kind of co-create that journey, uh, I think you're doing a lot for that sense of experience that we're cultivating here. And, and, and really even... Having that, that individual who's been down this road, well, I think will help with the individualized care piece as well, the journey mapping piece. Gosh, we're, we're wrapping it all in together. I love it when you do it. These are the kinds of conversations. I mean, we're solving the world's problems, and I think we're about a half hour in, so we're in good shape, right? I think so. I think so. I mean, I think that, um, you know, gosh, I... I, if I had all the answers at this point, then I would be a lucky, lucky girl. But, um, you know, I still have things that I'm trying to figure out for my next stage. Everyone has things that they're trying to figure out for their next stage. And how lucky we are if we have mentors around us that are able to help us. And, you know, I think about um, when I've gotten involved in organizations before, the friendships that I've made but where those friends have actually been mentors to me who have led me along the way. Um, my first ex experience with ASAE, I had someone who was leading me there and saying, you need to be a part of this organization. Let me show you what, what publications you should check out and sort of pointed out the way. Not everyone has that. You know, they should. And if associations are smart, if nonprofits are smart, they'll figure out a way to have that person, you know, that's out there, you know, reaching out and offering that help, that guidance to somebody who's new to the industry, new to the organization. He, I, I love this, and I guess one of the things my mind just went to is uh, the AA and NA and other uh, anonymous programs in which. You have a sponsor, and then as you grow along, you become somebody else's sponsor. There's that sense of responsibility that's on us mm -hmm. to uh, help the person who's new coming in and that we can look to others who have been down the journey before. So I, I love how we can bring together these pieces that may seem that they're from disparate areas or fields, and we can start thinking about how do we cultivate the real experience for our members, for the folks that are inside our organization. This is this is great. Thank you so much. Um, I'm going to give you a, a final platform here. 
what final words of encouragement would you share with the leader out there that's listening in today? I think my final words of encouragement specifically, we've talked about a lot. We talked about we talked about what's happening now, but what's happening possibly in the future. Mm -hmm. You're probably thinking wearables. I can't even I can't <laughs> even figure out, you know, I still have my membership in Excel. I don't even have an AMS. I don't have, you know, I think breaking it down and realizing that if you can identify ways to enhance that relationship building process where you are identifying the people who are invested in you already and having them to to help you to reach out it's you're not paying people to do it you're using people who are already um, in love with your organization um, or very supportive of it at least, um, I think that it can be something that helps you. So identify those things that will help you without costing a whole lot of extra money and don't don't freak out about the future. It's it's good. It's all good. Sharing is caring and today sharing can also be profitable. So there's that. Use that. Absolutely. But thank you so much, Kiki, for, for joining us. I I know I've learned a lot, and I know anybody else that's listening in that's joining us here has probably written down a full page of notes like I have, uh, which is a little bit tough when you're hosting to be able to take all those notes, but this is great. There's so much here. And, folks, let me remind you, and I know this is going to sound awkward because we run Tuesdays at 2 p.m., but <laughs> Kiki runs Association Chat Tuesdays at 2, hashtag ASSN chat. And yes. Can, I'm sorry. I said yes, absolutely. Yes. Okay, so, so be with them, join them, learn from them, see what they're doing. There's so many great things. Check her out, Acronym Soup. Check out Amplified Growth. Look her up and find out what she's doing. You'll find her at ASAE events. You'll find her speaking on social media in a variety of different venues. But look her up and always, I mean, check out Kiki Latalian on Twitter. She's there. She's active. She's showing you some great opportunities. So many things to join us. And then Thursday night at hashtag nonprofit chat, she'll be with us and she'll get to be the flip side. Instead of being the host, she gets to be one of the provocateurs uh, answering the questions and playing around. Thursday at 9, you can join in with her, with us, as we just engage the conversation. I want to, again, remind you, join the community. It's a great place for you to be able to engage and to be able to be in a space with other community builders. You're doing it, and you need other people who understand that experience as well. So come on to centervisionleadership.org, join the community, and also check out Nonprofit Performance Magazine. It's there. It's, it's free or it's very low cost, depending on what route you want to pursue to get it. But it's got some amazing material, particularly this March issue here on Millennials has some really cutting-edge things from great leaders, in fact, that whose names surround me right now in the uh, the bookshelf. So join us. Take a look at that. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. I'm Todd Greer, Executive Director of Center Vision Leadership Foundation. It's been a pleasure to be with Kiki Latalien, uh, President of Amplified Growth, host of Association Chat. Thanks for joining us, and have a great day. Bye-bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.